I loved being able to sort of slow things down because everything for me would just move super fast. And that's the way I liked it. That's just the life that I lived in. But it was nice to finally be able to just sit and just relax, which, which was rare at that time. And the more I did it, the more I needed to, to just keep doing it. It was almost addictive in this need for a moment of calm that I would be able to have every day. Been There Injected That is a TMI podcast about going through infertility and all the hormone injections, awkward moments, and nervous breakdowns along the way. I'm Elise Ash. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Been There Injected That. Today on the podcast, we have Josephine Adlori, who's a meditation teacher, writer, podcast host, infertility warrior, and now mom of five. Her podcast, Responding to Life, highlights her 13-year infertility journey of love, loss, resilience, and hope to create her modern-day family via IVF, international adoption, and surrogacy. Josephine, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the podcast. I know you have your own podcast, Responding to Life, and so I appreciate you taking the time to be a guest on ours. Yeah, absolutely. Anything that we can do to expand the conversation, it's a plus for everyone. Yeah, well, I would love to hear maybe just a brief intro about you, where you're from, what kind of work you do, and, you know, what your family looks like. I'd love to. So I'm, you know, I'm originally from Chicago, and that's where my husband and I met. And we we knew that we would have to go directly into IVF uh, due to... Uh, male infertility uh, because of an illness that he had. And, you know, so we enjoyed life for a little bit. And then we went straight into IVF and that didn't quite work out the way we had planned. (laughs) You know, that's how it usually goes. Yeah, it never goes exactly (laughs) according to plan. plan. I don't know anyone who is like, yep, this went exactly the way I thought it would. (laughs) And then, you know, we switched facilities, I became pregnant, and then I lost um, boy-girl twins at 17 weeks. And it was at that point that we we pivoted, and we pivoted to international adoption. And then from there, we started our family with our son. And then after that, then we tried IVF again, and I became pregnant, and I carried twins successfully. And then finally, with some of our remaining frozen embryos. We waited a bit. We saved up money. We worked with this amazing surrogate. And then she carried another set of twins for us. And that's how we became this family of five. And it was at that point that I realized I needed to somehow control the chaos that was spinning out of control in my life. And I mean, it was great chaos, but, you know, trying to work and then raise family it's just, it's a lot. And that was when I finally actually went into meditation for myself. And it was at that point that as I continued to dive deeper into it, and then eventually went into a training program, that I realized that I could couple my my experience, my personal experience with infertility to help the fellow warriors out there who are going through it, struggling through it, with the strategies that I learned from meditation, from mindfulness, to help them really just 
take care of themselves throughout this really difficult journey. And so that's how I'm here with you today talking about, you know, the benefits of incorporating meditation, mindfulness as you go along on your path to parenthood. I think candidly, you're like an infertility unicorn. I feel like you just have this <laughs> lens that is so rich and rare. And I'm sorry that you had to go through everything, but it's like, if you have your infertility bingo card, I feel like you would just be winning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I love that I was called a unicorn. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I do think that you are. I mean, I just think like, I mean, obviously infertility is not a competition and it's not um, right. like yes. a grief competition and I don't want people to think I'm promoting that, but I just think you have such a unique perspective because of all the different experiences you've gone through. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm a big proponent of us, of everyone sharing their stories when they feel comfortable just to normalize the conversation. But myself in particular, I really felt compelled to share just to show others that, you know, there are different ways to creating your family and that they're all, they're all created by love they're all special and unique in their own way. And, you know, I just wanted to show that, you know, it took us many, many years to finally get to that point. But each path had its ups and downs. But in the end, we we became parents with each different each different path that we took. And in the end, it was all amazing. Have you always been like a relatively chill internal person or is this something that kind of has developed over time with practice and focus through your meditation work that's a great question i feel like <laughs> i'm like I'm please tell me you used to be type say? a what i'm <laughs> wanting you to say is that you were once like neurotic oh, in type yeah. a and then you changed your whole life with three yeah. simple steps that i can do tomorrow it's like <laughs> what i'm hoping you'll say but i feel like what you're actually going to say is not that no, no, I no. you can. I, I was trying to think, what would my friend say? And <laughs> it would be that I am, I am. I describe myself as type A. I never thought that I could do meditation. You know, my background is, was in consulting. And then I pivoted and I started my own event planning company. And there I had to plan people's lives and, you know, their events in like five minute increments. And I love that. Like I was, I was constantly thinking about the future and not really the present because that's what I had to do for my clients. And so and it's the <laughs> ultimate like illusion of control. You're like, and yeah. at 750, we're going to do this. And then at eight, yes. you know, 851, we're going to do this. And of course, that never really goes according to plan. But you have the illusion of control. Yes. Yeah. So I loved being in that role for other people, for myself. And so I never really thought that meditation could, would work for me. And it was at the insistence upon a friend that I really just try it. You know, it was right after the my last set of twins were born. And I was I was just spiraling out of control because I was working again and and now I had this growing family and it was just it was just too much. And luckily for us, there are just so many resources available. So I tried out an app and I didn't think that I could do it, but it was fantastic because I was being guided in this process and, and I only did it for a couple minutes and, you know, it's great because there are just different, there are different programs that you can do, but they all start out small and that's kind of what did it for me. I, I, I loved being able to just sort of slow things down because everything for me would just move super fast and that's the way I liked it. That's how I, you know, that's just the, 
the life that I lived in. But it was nice to finally be able to just sit and and just relax, which which was rare at that time. And the more I did it, the more I needed to to just keep doing it. It was very just and it was almost addictive in this need for for a moment of calm that I would be able to have every day. And that's how I got led into doing a teacher training. It was really for work, you know, and it ended up being really a, a program for myself. And then that's when I realized that, you know what, I can help other people who are very much like me understand the benefits of meditation and mindfulness and incorporate it into their lives in in really like a very true way. Um, because a lot of people think that, you know, meditation is boo-woo, it's not for me. I can't incorporate, I can't stop my mind from all the thoughts that it has. But the way I like to teach it and approach it is in more of a practical manner that it makes it accessible for people who probably are were in the same boat that I was back when I was toying with the idea of starting. So that's, you know, that's how I came into meditation and that's how I like to approach it so that I can offer people as many ways of entry into this amazing like mode of self-care. You'd mentioned earlier that you weren't so sure about meditation at first. Like what made you maybe doubt if this was going to be helpful for you? Yes, I was. I was a skeptic. I'm not, I'm not usually. I'm very optimistic. But I just, I knew myself, or at least I thought I did. And I, like I said, I'm very type A. And there are like a number of um, to-do lists running through my head constantly. And I thought, I'm not going to be able to shut off my mind. And it was that misconception of meditation that I had to reach this like Zen point where there was nothing going on in my mind in order to do meditation. And what I didn't realize and what I learned later is that that's not what meditation is. It's kind of a dance. It's an ebb and flow of achieving moments of silence and stillness. And then all of a sudden a thought pops up, but then, you know, not holding on to that thought, allowing yourself to let it go and then returning back to whatever it was you were using to help ground you. If it was mantra, if it was just your breath, whatever it was. And then get back into that moment of silence and stillness. And then, and then it'll happen again. And then you'll notice something on your body and, or you'll hear a sound. And then you'll get out of it. And then you just, you just continue to dance with this. And I think that's why people – that's definitely a num the number one reason why when I talk to new people trying it out, that's what they'll say to me. And I totally get it because that's how I felt. That's so true. And I think there are so many misconceptions about meditation. I think there are so many different ways to practice meditation. It can look so many different ways structurally. I mean, there's just so many different types and ways that you can do it in ways that work for yourself. So I think people just sometimes think, it's one specific way. And if they're not doing it that way, that they're not doing it right or they're failing or they're bad at it. Like we as Americans suck at just being able to try something new and not try to like win at it or get a badge or like level up. Like we really suck at just being able to try something and be new. 
Yeah, no, that is a really good point. And, and you're right. There are just so many different ways and approaches. And that's why I love that there are so many different apps. And then all these, aside from apps, there are all these teachers who offer like free meditations on their websites and stuff. Because what works for you will not work for someone else. But you need to at least have given it a shot. My first experience with meditation was actually when I was a teenager. My mom had gotten sick and she had discovered meditation and she had these uh, CDs that she would listen to on her stereo and she loved it. She would do it every day and she's a very anxious, like wound up person and I could see how it was really impacting her. And so in high school, I had a couple guided meditations too on CDs that I like to do and they were really helpful. I really enjoyed it quite a lot and I feel like that love of that experience and not even necessarily the act of meditating, but the result and the ending and like kind of getting up and feeling like I had a clear mind and I wasn't running, you know, on fight or flight feelings anymore. Like as a teenager, I was so stressed and it just felt great to have a place or a tool to be able to take things down a notch. Yes, exactly. That's a great way of describing it. And, you know, for, for people who really need a sense of control or for like, women and men who are going through an infertility journey or something stressful like the pandemic where you don't have a, you lose your sense of control. That's another great way or another great selling point of meditation is that this gives you that. This gives you a sense of control because as you're meditating, you're controlling your breath, you're controlling your mindset, you're controlling how you're going to feel when you get out of it. You're controlling that switch from that fight or flight state into that rest and digest state. And so that's all in your power and you're doing it through just a couple minutes a day. It doesn't have to be something extensive. It can simply be like two or three minutes each day, but it gives you that power to, to help yourself out, to bring yourself into a state of peace and to reduce all of that stress and anxiety that you're feeling. And you know, so that's another great selling point of meditation. We'll be right back. Is infertility stressing you the F out? The emotional toll of doctor's appointments, hormone injections, answering questions from nosy aunts about when you're going to have kids. It's a lot. And while there are a bunch of great communities, blogs, support groups, and other resources out there, sometimes you just want to talk to like one person. One person who actually gets what you're going through, shares your values, and possibly even your diagnosis. That's why we created Fruitful, a fertility mentorship service that connects people trying to grow their families with a mentor. Someone who's been where you've been, but is now on the other side and available to offer emotional support. To learn more about Fruitful or sign up, visit fruitfulfertility.org or check us out in the App Store or Google Play Store. Now back to the show. What is it about meditation that you think can specifically help people trying to conceive? Well, so there's definitely, as I mentioned, that sense of, of control. And then you also get an appreciation of the present moment because that is kind of one of the main goals of, of being in a meditation is being here, being here in this moment. You're not in the past and you're not in the future. And it's helpful for people going through infertility because, you know, so often we're thinking about all of the things that didn't work out in the past. Our heads are, our heads are just filled with that. And if it's not filled with that, then we're thinking about, okay, 
in the future, I'm going to be doing this cycle. I'm going to be doing these meds or I have to, maybe this isn't working out. Maybe I should in the future think about a different doctor. You're thinking about all of these things and you're not really in the present moment. And so you're missing all of the other beautiful things in your life that may be happening, but you're not in it because your headspace is filled with the past and the future. And, 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 you know, this translates to other people and other stages of life, whether or not they're going through infertility or not, that's kind of how we are as people. And so, you know, practicing meditation definitely helps us to be in that present moment, which is great for when, you know, when you're talking to your doctor about your next steps, you're, if you practice meditation, then in that moment, you can do some of their breathing techniques to help you be present. So you can fully engage with the conversation and the plan that's being made for you versus like being in that appointment, but not really being there. And then another, another benefit is it helps you spiral out of negativity. You know, oftentimes we'll get set off by something. Maybe it's a bad result on a test. And then all of a sudden, like, we just think of the next negative thing and the next thing. And then we all of a sudden are just in this terrible state of emotions. And with meditation, there are definitely different techniques that you can use. For example, affirmations or gratitudes that will help you nip that cycle in the bud and help you shift from a state of negativity into a state of positivity, which we can all use again, like both in our infertility journey or not. And then you get to reconnect. The last one of the other big things that I like to talk about is that it helps you reconnect to who you are. Because often, at least I found with my own journey, is that as you're going through it, you're just like it's cycle after cycle. And you start to lose sight of who you were back when you first began. You you become embedded in this narrative of like, I'm just trying to get pregnant. I'm just trying to become a mother. And I'm defined by all of these failures and all of these, like, this This is what the next cycle is going to be. Like, that becomes who you are. You don't remember the amazingly, like, beautiful and powerful individual you were because you're starting to really just connect with, with the cycles. And when you stop and do a meditation even if it is just for a few minutes. In that moment, you're just breathing or maybe you're using an affirmation or a mantra, but you get to remember like how you feel in your own body. You get to tell yourself some amazing words of encouragement and support to just rekindle that connection with who you are so that you don't get buried in this process and you come out of it still feeling like yourself obviously in a different way because our journeys change us, but maintaining that connection to who you are. So those are some of the benefits of using mindfulness and meditation in your, in your journey. Do you find it helpful for people trying to conceive to have a fertility specific meditation or does that not really matter? That's a great question. You know, I offer fertility specific meditations, but there's so many different meditations out there. For example, if you go onto any like teacher's website or an app, you'll see that they'll have things on reducing stress or um, help with sleep or morning meditations, intentions, and those are all great. And they can definitely benefit you as, 
you're doing your fertility journey. But sometimes it's nice to hear words that are very relevant to you and your situation. And it doesn't have to be like throughout your journey. It really is dependent upon the person. But what I like about doing fertility specific meditations is that I can, it's almost like coaching because as I'm speaking to you in that meditation, I'm bringing up things that are very relevant to you. And I can bring those up because I went through that for so many years. And, and it's just something that you can really just cling on to and really relate to. And it makes that experience a little bit more true for you and maybe a little bit more helpful to you in that moment. So for example, I like to, you know, use them for big moments, like right before you're about to do an egg retrieval or right before you're about to do an embryo transfer, or maybe while you're in that, like that worrisome two week wait. So those are very specific moments in one's fertility journey that, you know, as a meditation teacher, I can really bring up things that you're probably feeling in that moment. And so that's, those are the times when I think fertility specific meditations are helpful. I think the important part is like approaching it with curiosity and an open heart rather than like the way I was approaching everything, which was like my little checklist and my odds and percentages and statistics. And like, how can I beat this and hack this? And like, what are, what's the cheat code (laughs) like to get through this level? Like a video game was kind of how I was thinking about it. But I think you're right. If you go into something with an open heart and curiosity and the desire to explore and just see what shows up and understanding like not everything is for everyone. Like maybe you don't like acupuncture. Maybe you don't like meditation. Maybe you don't like some of these other self-care practices. It's like find something that works for you and be honest about is this helping you get to the mental place and physical place that you need to be to feel your most settled, peaceful self. No, I love that you bring that up because I am a big proponent of having a number of self-care tools in your toolkit. And you're right. You know, one thing isn't going to work for one person versus the other. So you really need to get out there and try because as I've so often said that there are moments where, you know, one thing isn't going to cut it. Uh, You need to throw many of your self-care tools at it. For example, like during this pandemic, there are just some days that are just so riddled with anxiety that, you know, one moment to myself or one moment listening to a podcast or isn't enough for me that I need to do multiple things. And so that's why it's great to try so many different things. And understanding that like what worked for you at one time might not work for you anymore. Like if you're someone who used to be a really passionate runner, or if you're someone who Mm -hmm. used to really find a lot of joy, like acupuncture is a great example too. And then now with the pandemic, maybe that's less accessible to you, or maybe it's just like, is not connecting with your soul anymore. Like that's okay. I think too often we build into our identities. Like I am a runner. I am a yogi. I am a whatever. I'm a writer. And we need to be able to also like let ourselves off the hook and understand like when something isn't serving us anymore. And even if it's just like a temporary hiatus, like, You're not quitting. You know, I just feel like we too often have this like really intense internal monologue where we're judging ourselves. It's like just figure out what helps and what works and move through it, try new stuff. And if it fits, great. And if not, like that's cool. Yeah. I, oh my gosh, this, what you're just saying resonated with me. I mean, we need to give ourselves space 
Definitely. And um, that internal monologue of like, you need to be this, you need to be that, it should be this way. It's really, it can be very overpowering and detrimental to ourselves. So that's why it's helpful to do, to one, give ourselves space. And, uh, and then another strategy that I like to use are, I mentioned it before, were affirmations. So I love using these, like they're just simple supportive phrases that you can use, whether it's in a meditation or out. But for example, it'd be something like, I am safe, I'm healthy, I am enough, I'm worthy. And you just repeat these to yourselves whenever you need to. Like if you're in a doctor's office waiting for results or or if you're during that, you know, it's during that two week wait and you're really just getting stressed out about it, you know, just saying these things almost as a mantra in a meditation, that's that, like, that was an example of tuning into yourself. But then when you use it outside of a meditation, it's, it's kind of like a stress management technique because you're just telling yourself, you're switching that narrative that's in your head. You're switching that dialogue. And instead of having it be, um, like these negative thoughts that you're feeding yourself, you're feeding yourself like really positive and affirming and empowering messages. And, and so that's like, that was another benefit that I mentioned before of, of meditation is that you, sh- you stop that cycle of negativity. And this is one great way of doing it. Are there any tips or things you recommend for people who might be new to this practice um, on how to write a great affirmation or a mantra that they might want to carry with them? Yeah. So uh, one thing that I like to do is think of there's we all have one, at least one person who is kind of just our favorite cheerleader, you know, whether it's our spouse or our best friend, whoever it is. And they always they probably always have the right thing to say to you, or at least they've they've said something that has stayed with you. And so what I like to do is tell people to think about this person and, you, you know, you can close your eyes, think pretend that this person is in front of you. And in this moment that you're in, there's something that you really want to hear, right? Like, you know, you're, whatever it is you're experiencing, there are some words that you wish you could hear right now. And so visualize that person saying these things to you. And then that can become your mantra for that meditation, for that day, for that week, for that big moment. And, and that's what you use as you're just sitting there and, and saying these words, these phrases to yourself in your mind to really allow that to stick and to take root within you. And it allows yourself to just block out all that other noise, all the other noise, all the other negativity and, and hold on to that like powerful message that you're feeding yourself that you really want to hear. And this can be really hard to do for someone like me who, um, is a skeptic and has a lot of negative self-talk. And I remember like just at the beginning of learning how to write an affirmation, how discordant it was because all my internal demons were like, yeah, you're safe. Yeah. Your body works. Yeah. You're healthy. And you have to push through that and push through that cynical little voice in your mind. Like I always think my internal monologue sounds like a really mean Russian gymnastics coach. Like, it's so intense. And so for me, I need to like really believe in the positive affirmation and make sure that that's where I'm giving the power. And it can be really hard at first, but I think it just gets a little easier with time. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're hilarious, by the way. Um, but <laughs> I'm like, I feel like these 
podcast just like reveals so much more about me because it's just pure transference. <laughs> I'm like, so what about for people who have really fucked up internal monologues? What would you say to those people? <laughs> oh, no, you know, it's true, though, because and I love that you're able to bring that up because it is true saying these things as you know, people can be very skeptical and especially if it's new to them, it's going to, you're going to think, okay, how can this work? Like saying this phrase that I don't believe right now. Yeah. Like that is is so hard when you're saying something that you're like in my heart, I don't know if I believe this or I've been told something differently or like this feels really cheesy or it feels heavy handed. Like, yeah. What do you, what do you say to kind of counteract that? Right. And so that's how I felt. So I had an eating disorder um, and that was actually one of like the negative effects of not dealing with my emotions because it happened after like my first three kids. So it just like knocked me out of the blue. I had no idea this would happen in my thirties, but like it was, it was stemming from a lot of this unresolved trauma that I didn't deal with from trying to conceive. And so anyway, one of the things that, that they had us do were things like affirmations and it was really just all this self-talk, positive self-talk that we had to keep saying to ourselves to combat all of that talk that we had in our head because of the eating disorder. And I'll tell you, like the first few months of when I was doing it, I did not believe a word of what I was saying. I still thought that I looked terrible. I still thought all those things. But, you know, I was committed to the process and I wanted to get better. And so I kept doing it. And it's weird because as I talk to um, other people who, you know, had EDs and stuff, there's just one day it kind of just switches. And then all of a sudden it's not as hard to say and that you actually kind of believe it. You're just, you just keep saying it to yourself and you keep like catching yourself in those moments where you need to say it to yourself. And then all of a sudden, like, it's hard to explain all of a sudden if you, it just starts to click. Yeah, I think about it kind of like like your thoughts are kind of like these trails in a forest. And when you're used to the same negative self-talk, you kind of make a path like from that trail. It just becomes easier to go down that trail. And so you have to consciously try to forge new paths and make those your default way of thinking instead of going down like the same paths you've made your whole life. Yes. Wonderful. I love how you <laughs> describe that. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's just how I visualize it because oh, yeah, we yeah. just get stuck in the same patterns and then the patterns become stronger <laughs> the longer that you, you know, indulge in those patterns. Well, that's exactly how the, like the neural, if we're going to get like geeky about it, that's how yes. the neural okay, yes. pathways Use the work. science to support <laughs> my, my metaphor. <laughs> well, that is, you're just creating more neural pathways. And if you've already like made this really strong one for negativity, it is, it does require practice to create a new one. But with like that positive self-talk with meditation or with like a new hobby, right? Or a new thing that you're learning. The more and more that you do it, the stronger it becomes, the easier it becomes, and the better able you are to do it. So whether it's piano or like learning Spanish or learning positive self-talk or meditation. How can people begin their meditation practice? Is there a particular website or podcast or app for beginners? Like, How do you recommend people start if it's all new to them? Yeah, a great way to do it is... 
Yeah, there are a couple of things. So one would be to get help in some way. So as you mentioned, there are apps out there, many of them that you pay for, but then there's also like Insight Timer where there are a bunch that are free. Um, and then people like myself, we have free meditation um, recordings. I have free ones on my website that you can try out. And, you know, the really basic way of doing it is just to breathe. So if you're just doing it for a couple minutes a day, like that's one other thing that I like to say. So you find something that will help you, whether it's an app or whatever. Second is to just try it out just for a couple of minutes every day. And then the third is to tie it into an existing ritual. So tie it to say, like, if you're a morning person to do it before or after you brush your teeth or right when you wake up or something that you've always do every day. So that way you, you know, you strengthen your success rate because it's tied to this thing that you never, that you, you always do. And then the last thing is to just be very compassionate to yourself and kind to yourself in the process and to give yourself space in how it sort of unfolds for you. Because like we've been talking, you know, we can be so very negative um, to ourselves and have all these expectations of what the process should be like. But really, if we are just open to it and just allow it to happen and not think that we're supposed to have our minds empty, then we're better able to really experience and get the benefits from the process. Are there any other specific tools or resources that you recommend fertility warriors use to try to stay centered or find some type of calm or relaxation during their journeys? Like it's great to write letters to yourself. And, you know, that's kind of what I use in my workshops to, to help people get to a mantra or get people to get past something that like an experience that they had that they're just holding on to. So that is something that I like to help people explore and do. And then another great tool is using gratitudes to shift into a state of positivity. You know, just every day thinking of one thing that you're grateful for and whether you write it down, text it to yourself or record a voice memo, just making it a habit of doing that. You know, it helps you when you're in a pinch and all of a sudden you're feeling really sad about something in your journey. And like if you've made a practice of doing gratitudes, you're able to shift your mind better into positivity, like all that practice that we were talking about before. And in that moment, then you're able to hopefully to do that. The gratitude thing is so huge. And I was finding that that's really the only thing that could pull me out when I felt like I was in a really dark place. And mm. There was a tweet I'd seen uh, back in March, and it said, I forget who had written it, but it was saying every day she wrote three things she was grateful for, like in her notes app on her phone, just like uh -huh. one like one note page. And I started doing that in March because I was like, oh, that's a great idea because she was saying, oh, it could be anything as small as like had an iced coffee, like saw a hummingbird to anything as big as like getting great news or, you know, having a really energizing conversation, whatever it is, feeling connected to someone you love. And I've got to say, like, I've been doing that every single day. It's so small. It takes like two minutes. But even the act of like having to scan through my day and think like, what were three 
moments or things or people that I'm grateful for or that happened or like what are the positives was so helpful to me, especially on the days where I felt like there was nothing positive. Everything sucks. The world's a dumpster fire. I hate everyone. Like it was so (laughs) helpful to just be like, I saw a butterfly today and it was a beautiful reminder of like simple grace and beauty. Yeah. No, I'm, I love that you tried it and that I'm you, still doing like, it. It's it. working. Oh, I'm trying it. Yeah. I'm doing it. I've like, well, and now I'm kind of like, nice. I wonder if I should like make a book or something like the overachiever in me is like, I need to design a <laughs> book to print out. And like, I'm, I struggle with the, like, it's just a note on your phone and that's okay. Um, but I do, <laughs> but it's been so helpful and it's been really a beautiful process. It is. And you know, it can translate into, not just in the moment thinking of three things a day, but I don't know if you found this, but as you're going throughout your day, then you're able to shift into that mindset, right? So for example, you know, when you're thinking about the gratitude, you're reflecting back, but let's say that you're out for like your backyard or wherever, and then you see that butterfly. And in that moment, you're able to stop and just appreciate it, like fully appreciate it. And so that's kind of where it's leading to. It's kind of like that next step of taking that gratitude, but that shift of like positive mindset. And also, you know, this is what happens with meditation. Like you're able to really tune into the present moment and appreciate things. And so that's, that's sort of like the next level of being able to use these gratitudes is that in the moment you then really get to fully appreciate something and it brings you joy and it brings you a a moment of peace that Mm. like you may throughout your day be feeling stressed you know you may be like so stressed with all this work stuff right and then all of a sudden you see something and you think oh my god that is bringing me like that made me so happy just in that moment because I saw that or I had that or whatever it is and and that's your gratitude like in real life like happening as you're doing it and that you know, it didn't even have to go into meditation because you were able to just do it in the moment. So that's kind of where it's leading to. One last tip would be to to really breathe. You know, that is like our gateway to shift from a state of stress into a state of positivity or relaxation. And all you have to do is just slow down your breath and and use a technique to help you think about it. So you can... Breathe in for four seconds, then hold your breath for four seconds, and then exhale for four seconds, and then hold your breath for four seconds. And that's called a 16-second breath. And if you're doing it, then what your mind is focused on is that count of the breath and the pauses. And in that moment when you're doing that, you can't think of anything else. And what's beautiful there is that not only are you slowing your breath, So you're shifting from stress to relaxation, but then you're really witnessing the present moment and you're tuning in to yourself. So you're doing all these things just in 16 seconds. You're not able to think about whatever was stressing you out because you're there witnessing your breath. So that's something that you can easily do anytime. So, you know, try that out and then use that as, something uh, in your meditations if you do start meditating or being mindful and you'll feel instantly like you'll start to feel the effects right away which is what makes it so addictive and so I hope that little quick breathing technique will bring some people some moments of of self-care 
Yes, thank you so much. And if you're interested in learning more about Josephine's meditation, she has so many courses and classes and things you can download. Um, it's amazing. It's all on our website. You can visit jayatlori.com. I'll link to it in the show notes. But it's a great place to start if you're new to meditation, if you're new to the fertility community. So much stuff there for you. You can follow her on Instagram. Thank you so much, Josephine. Anything I'm forgetting? <laughs> No, that's that's all the good stuff. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun talking to you today. And I appreciate the opportunity to spread the good word about like self-care and mindfulness. I feel calmer just from just from talking with you today. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Your voice is very calming. I'm sure you get that feedback all the time. But I I feel like I'm going to go make a green juice or something. (laughs) Awesome. Well, there, my work was done for today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Josephine. My pleasure. In There, Injected That is produced by Fruitful Fertility and hosted by myself, Elise Ash. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a rating and review, subscribe to get updates, and visit our website at fruitfulfertility.org. Thanks for listening.